Hello and welcome to another episode of Stream Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Today, I'm joined by Mark Skutovich. Mark is currently a managing director at the Benchmark Company. I've always had great conversation with Mark and appreciate his point of view around where the ad industry is headed. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark Skutovich. All right, Mark, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, we'll start off with the same question we ask all our guests. Uh, kind of give us background on, you know, uh, kind of where you are today and kind of uh, what path you took to get there. Sure. So I, I work for a mid-market investment bank. It's uh, The name is The Benchmark Company. And The Benchmark Company uh, really services institutional investors as well as, uh, call it mid-market mid type, type size companies in terms of access to capital. Um, I got my start in the industry. I was actually at um, American Express working for um, a portfolio manager that I was doing some scrappy work for. Uh, he uh, took me under his wing and gave me about 200 stocks to follow. Um, so I got thrown into the fire quick in, uh, in this industry. But uh, fast forward to today, I'm covering ad tech and commerce uh, uh, companies. Those are these are publicly traded um, stocks, and I uh, pay close attention to what's going on in the private world uh, and have a lot of good contacts within the private space and love talking to private companies about what's going on uh, to get uh, better about my uh, understanding of what's going on in the industry and also provide uh, better investment recommendations for uh, our institutional clients. All right. Uh, can you give us some background on, on Benchmark? You know, What problem do they solve and what's the business model? Sure. So a benchmark is a mid-market investment bank. Uh, we service, uh, basically provide research and investment recommendations to institutional clients. And these are uh, fund managers, uh, for instance, like Fidelity, uh, you know, managers of, of funds at Fidelity, uh, as well as hedge funds, um, you know, across uh, states as well as outside. Um, and we also uh, provide banking services. So provide access to capital for um you know, generally mid-sized companies uh, that are looking to get uh, access to debt or equity or, you know, position themselves in the, in the public markets. Right. What's your kind of look at the overall ad market and maybe video specifically? What What's your overall take on kind of where the market is today? Well, I think uh, the video market today is particularly interesting. I think the short video market, uh, you know, vis-a-vis -vis TikTok, which uh, sort of has taken over, I think, a lot of uh, viewership trends and subsequently is, is getting some good traction um, in the ad uh, market is most interesting to me uh, from uh, two aspects. One is I think it's a, a definitely a pull uh, of ad dollars from some of the bigger ad platforms, uh, that being Facebook in particular, uh, as Facebook has had some, some challenges uh, as it relates to, you know, Apple's, uh, you know, restrictive uh, IDFA uh, uh, changes. And uh, two, I think it's, it's just uh, certainly uh, paramount to, to pay attention to the fact that Gen Z and, and younger millennials, which are, you know, digitally video, uh, 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 you know, were born sort of in that uh, marketplace are really, you know, close to third, a third of uh, the, the population, U.S. population today, and obviously is continuing to expand. So we're seeing advertisers really follow that. Uh, you know, those uh, generations. Uh, 
The other, I think, interesting topic that I'm sure we'll get into is obviously C CTV or connected TV. Uh, you're certainly seeing, um, you know, big uh, push of uh, growth uh, within CTV and, you know, Roku is a publicly traded company. Uh, seeing, uh, uh, obviously, Amazon Fire TV, uh, you know, those two is sort of becoming the next, the uh, taking over the gatekeeper, gatekeeper status that cable companies have had. And uh, that growth is interesting from two aspects. One is, uh, again, you're seeing, I think, a pull from social dollars as measurement and CTV gets uh, quite a bit better. And you're also seeing, I think, just, you know, generally speaking, linear TV finally starting to move a bit uh, faster into connected TV as, as measurement uh, uh, starts to become a little bit more tangible for uh, TV buyers. Yeah, kind of going back to TikTok, I mean, what do you think is behind their, I mean, really rapid success. I mean, they've set records for the fastest to, you know, a certain number of users and they're just growing like crazy. Yeah. I think, you know, what's interesting about TikTok is, and I, I actually, uh, uh, I don't fit that demographic profile by any means, uh, but I do uh, find myself using TikTok a lot more because the breadth of contact content on that, on the app has expanded uh, significantly just over the last year, uh, you know, which, which you know, clearly began as just kind of like a goofy, uh, you know, uh, goofy videos to uh, a wide spectrum of, of uh, content, uh, you know, from mind, body, spirit uh, to, uh, you know, golf uh, tutorials, video tips, um, you name it, there's anything you could possibly want on TikTok. And I think we're also seeing, uh, again, the, you know, that generation of Gen Z and, and, and young millennials that are really pulling, uh, I would say, just more content to that platform um, and optimizing it for their sort of short video habits. So, for instance, I think you're seeing uh, um, a lot of, uh, you know, video podcasts, much like this, uh, sort of get bite-sized, you know, the highlights, if you will. So I think it's interesting to see where a lot of uh, how it's sort of that short video market, broadly speaking, whether it's TikTok, YouTube shorts, or, you know, Instagram reels, uh, you know, sort of how that's pulling both ad dollars as well as eyeballs uh, into that shorter viewing of uh, or shorter video consumption. Yeah, I love, I mean, two kind of recent things I've done, you know, one rolling out applications on more connected TVs, uh, but also just the the power of their algorithm that and, and kind of expanding the 10 minute uh, you know, content link, you could really see them starting to be kind of use those three things together to eat into a lot of longer form video time as well. Absolutely. And and uh, you mentioned the algo. Uh, I mean, that's so important. Uh, I, I think their algo is just improved dramatically as well. Uh, I think most will find when they start off on TikTok, they'll get a lot of those goofy videos, but uh, TikTok will, will optimize your viewing habits very quickly. Um, so I think the next step for them is to, to uh, get a little bit better with gathering the data signals into you know, better returns. Uh, and Michael, you and I, have, I think, have even chatted about to provide uh, you know, better returns, you know, competitive returns uh, with that data, which uh, you know, I suspect they, they'll continue to get better at. Yeah, funny you mentioned the the demographic. Uh, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but we're recording this the day after the baseball season started. And last night I was watching uh, my Reds play the Braves on ESPN, and they had Joey Votto mic'd up, who's definitely one of the older players in the league. 
and he talked about how he is now recording videos of him breakdancing on TikTok. So I, uh, it's not far away from the rest of us. Everybody, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much out. I, I saw uh, Brad Johnson used to be a quarterback of the Vikings. Uh, he has his own channel. Uh, I think it's called like Big Bad Brad or something. And he's throwing like footballs from like 100 yards away uh, into baskets, uh, you know, uh, just funny, goofy stuff. And it, I think it just, uh, I mean, again, if you want to reach that demographic, it's there. And it's easy. I think the other thing that's unique about TikTok is it's easy for anybody to set up and get followers on TikTok, which is, you know, very different than Reels. And you know, what Facebook's premise has always been is, you know, we're going to optimize views to the the biggest influencers, um, and we're going to show, you know, show their you know videos more than you know the Joe Schmo that starts out with no viewers. And TikTok's a little bit more balanced, and I think they've done a really good job of, of differentiating themselves against uh, somebody like Reels in that respect. Yeah, so we talk about a you know, platform like TikTok and Roku that are on the rise. Who do you think over on the advertising space and video specifically, you know, who's, whose best days are behind them? Best days behind, I, I, I certainly would say, obviously, TV. Although, you know, given the scarcity, uh, Michael, you're obviously well aware of, of inventory and TV. It's not, there's no sort of fall off the cliff anytime soon. But uh, uh, we all know what the viewership numbers are uh, with TV. And I think, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, as, as Roku gets better um, uh, and, and others, obviously, in CTV, whether it's Roku, whether it's um, Fire TV or Samsung TV, which is you know, starting to pick up a bit. Um, uh, as they get better with with the measurement, I think uh, that's going to accelerate sort of that shift of uh, of linear dollars. Um, so uh, you know that's an easy one to say is is best behind them. I think as you look forward and look at some of the um, you know sort of the, the DSPs that are really dependent on um, on uh, third party data, um, and we can get into this later if you like, but. Uh, as we move into more of a cookie-less uh, world uh, vis-a-vis uh, Chromageddon, which someday may come, uh, I think those uh, companies are going to have a tough time uh, uh, sort of um, redefining themselves uh, with their own unique ideas. Um, so uh, I think some DSPs are going to have some some difficult times ahead. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, privacy and the implications. And I know one of the things you and I have discussed before is just you know, what is it going to take for these emerging platforms to really hit scale? And I know we talked a lot about CTV uh, and, and we partnered on some research uh, recently that should be coming out about the time this, this podcast is published uh, called the Industry Pulse Survey. Um, and really, our goal on that was to, to identify what's the friction point between buyers and sellers that is keeping uh, the market from evolving. Were there kind of any top line insights that stood out to you? I thought what was interesting, and you know, I'm always sort of trying to pay attention to shifts within digital. So we all know TV is slowly moving, you know, linear is slowly moving into digital, but the shifts within digital are interesting to me because I cover all the social media companies like Facebook and Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, uh, and the like. Um, and I like to sort of see, my, my belief is we're starting to see a CTV measurement gets better sort of dollars, more dollars get pulled out of, out of social. And I think uh, the, the survey was, I think, supportive of that um, in indicating that uh, 
the expectations in terms of spend on CTV relative to social um, and, you know, the, the demands for that from a buyer standpoint um, are cer certainly um, sort of outpacing at, le at least a, a bit of social and I suspect that that will continue. Yeah, huge impact, obviously, on the, you know, how big the, the TAM can be for these markets and, and, you know, what business models are going to be winners and losers. But kind of quick question, more timely, uh, you know, we got Nielsen recently sold a, a private equity a couple of weeks ago. How, you know, a big debate in our community has been, is this going to be a good thing for a business like that in terms of being able to invest in the, the long term? Or is it going to be a, a thing that's going to put competitive pressure on them? And kind of another, I guess, side of this argument has always been the Netflix versus HBO, AT&T argument, right? About a company being able to, that's viewed as a growth story, you know, being able to sustain losses while it grows versus, you know, pressure to, for immediate, you know, profits and distribution to, to shareholders. How, you know, how should we look at that, um, you know, that question? Yeah, I, I... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think um, I think it was Mark Sikorsky that said this, but um, um, you know, private equity, uh, uh, or he, I think he said the public markets are are kitty cats relative to private equity, um, which is going to, you know, chew them up. Um, I don't know if you're speaking specifically to Nielsen or just in general, but um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think what you're going to you're going to ultimately see is a grayer uh, focus on, you know, pure digital measurement, better measurement within CTV. I think obviously Nielsen, the, uh, you know, what happened to them, I mean, there's lots of things, but it, the, you know, obviously video viewership sort of, you know, on, on, uh, you know, streaming viewership outpaced their, um, or accelerated, uh, ahead of, of, of their ability to measure it. Um, and certainly they, they, you know, were, uh, you know, the foundation was in TV. So I, I suspect you're going to see them really, uh, uh, you know, become more tighter optimized within uh, digital a variety of ways. Um, and uh, I'll be interested to see uh, where they come out on the other end. But, um, you know, we've, I mean, there's been complaints about Nielsen, obviously, for uh, multiple years. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, um, this transition to streaming is is a, a challenging one, I think, from a lot of aspects to measure um, as the eyeballs, you know, are still on, in a lot of cases, on traditional, but, uh, you know, uh, are shifting, obviously, into, into more streaming. And I think it is uh, something that uh, can be measured better. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. What... Uh... You know, I know we talked a little bit about the public markets. When you look at the private side right now, companies that haven't yet gone public or, or early, kind of what type of companies are, are you really looking at and are you interested to see, you know, trends? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, so I I, um, I would say the ID space is interesting. I think uh, as it relates to um, um, just the the... Uh, you know, this Chromageddon um, uh, that's coming, I think it's going to become more evident uh, in terms of the importance of those IDs. Um, uh, so, you know, we obviously have companies like LiveRamp, uh, Critio, and um, others, Magnite, uh, uh, many have their own sort of proprietary IDs. Um, and I think there's a number of uh, 
a few private companies that, that also have a unique way of uh, uh, sort of maximizing one's inventory. So I think there's two shifts happening uh, that uh, where this pri the private space can help. Uh, I think we're we're ultimately going to see a lot more sort of smaller walled gardens. Uh, you're going to see the uh, you know the New York Times of the world sort of sit next to Facebook and go direct to uh, uh, you know direct to uh, those advertisers as opposed to uh, you know want to uh, jump in a, a pool of IDs um, that are shared uh, you know with uh, which some uh, you know DSPs like a trade desk. Uh, with their UID2 intend to uh, offer. Uh, so I think uh, there's a lot of different ways to, I think, help uh, publishers like the New York Times or you know, whomever that has a large base of, of, of viewers and emails um, to you know, fast maximize that directly uh, with a few advertisers. And I think uh, uh, there's a few private companies that, that are interested in that respect. Yeah, so it's a huge problem for you know, a lot of our customer bases definitely seen the the benefits of targeted advertising or you know optimized advertising and that becomes a more challenging environment where like you said the um you know the identifier is going away because of you know changes about the browser or device manufacturer or just other privacy laws in general so i think it's a definitely a huge topic today yeah it is i mean it's funny i i don't think most are prepared for just in terms of when I, I talk with industry and I'm, I'm always interested to hear others' opinions of this, but um, you know, Google has, has put the pause button on, on cookies a couple times. And uh, I, I don't know that there's um, uh, a certain expectation that they actually will pull the plug next year. But if in fact they do, I think there's going to be a lot of third party that, um, um, you know, that, uh, that have been benefactors that, uh, you know, maybe scrambling a bit. So uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to, uh, you know, to pay attention to next year if, uh, you know, as we get closer to, uh, you know, that potential event. Oh, the one thing I would say, Michael, though, as it relates to CTV, I'm, I'm, which is sort of a question mark uh, in my head right now, is just how important IDs are within uh, the connected TV space, because obviously you still have, uh, you know, IP uh, uh, addresses that uh, don't require necessarily that that ID. So, um, you know, in terms of how and how that uh, uh, trans transition happens, uh, you know, within CTV, which is predominantly walled off um, by a few players, uh, that might be less uh, um, exciting, if you will, uh, at least uh, at the moment. Yeah, we had uh, Orrin Hoffman on a couple weeks ago, and that was one of the things he talked about was just how interesting the CTV app kind of ecosystem is and the fact that, A, it's much more fragmented than mobile, uh, and then your your replacement cycle is so much longer. You know, you, you don't, you buy a TV on average, you know, once every seven years it gets replaced. And so, you, you know, you're not, you don't have this Apple and, and Google kind of controlling everything, um, but also leads to, you know, a fragmented process for, for marketers, so it's it'll be interesting to see how um, you know how important that is, is. Those kind of wall guards each create their own kind of identity framework and measurement and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically, uh, you know, within the hardware space, uh, TV hardware space, I think um, you know as um, you know as Samsung and LG continue to, uh, I, I'd say, build out their um, you know their own 
um, guides, if you will, or, or expand their their the, the utility of their guides. So I think it's much easier to turn on an LG or a, a Samsung TV today and and sort of you know hit the Netflix button or you know YouTube button. Um, uh, and in terms of how that affects or, or sort of bypasses uh, a user who's who has used Roku or Fire TV in the past, how that changes their habits is interesting um, to me and something that, that I'm watching. I think I heard a, a step the other day. I don't know if this has been announced or, ha or, it, or it's already been announced, uh, it, but the, the, you know, Samsung has close to 50 million U.S. households today and you know, Roku has you know, you know, roughly the same. Um, they're two, they're both, they're, they're each positioned in different markets, you know, Samsung at the high end, Roku at the low end, but, you know, Roku is definitely starting to move up a bit, um, uh, in terms of into Samsung's camp. And, uh, because I think they need to, uh, you know, uh, I think they're a bit saturated, if you will, within the U S market. So it's just going to be interesting to watch, uh, you know, specifically Samsung and LG and sort of how, uh, they, uh, uh, and, and you know, uh, others, uh, but how they uh, sort of proliferate in the ad, uh, on the ad demand side of uh, CTV. Yeah, definitely a huge trend. Kind of on that mm -hmm. note, kind of we'll get you out here with two more questions. What is one prediction or trend that you think is under the radar that people are having this conversation a year from now will be a big deal? Um, well, I'd, I certainly think uh, if Google does pull the plug on, on cookies, it's, uh, it's going to be a bigger deal than I think most um, are anticipating, uh, just because we've had the pause button and there's still some some EU-related uh, uh, I think things that, that you know uh, Google has to work out with um, you know the alternatives that it's offering for uh, uh, you know tracking, etc. Um, and I think that's uh, you know specifically when you look at like as I mentioned some of the you know larger DSPs that really utilize third-party data. Um, uh, that transition for them is going to be very difficult. You know, for instance, the trade desk, which has UID too. And I just, um, at least in terms of who I talk to in the industry, I just haven't seen a, uh, an eagerness amongst publishers to adopt, uh, an ID, uh, or at least, uh, share that ID within a, a consortium, if you will. Uh, and I think that's, uh, super critical for. Um, you know, somebody like a, a trade desk to transition uh, in, uh, in a cookie-less environment. Definitely. Kind of another question we got asked often is, you know, what what should we be reading to kind of keep up on these topics? Uh, any, any recommendations for audience? Um, sure. I think, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of blogs that I follow. I, I, you know, one that I find... Um, most interesting from sort of a 360 degree view, not just so focused on ad tech or commerce for that matter, but uh, Benedict Evans uh, has a really nice newsletter um, in a weekly in a weekly format that uh, um, I find to be very interesting. Uh, in terms of readings, uh, there's one I pre-ordered actually that uh, uh, I'm excited to read by Matthew Ball um, about the metaverse. Um, I think it's coming out um, in July of this year, but he's another guy that I sort of listen to every word that he says because he's been uh, sort of spot on, if you will, um, in most of his predictions. Um, uh, I think the metaverse is a bit of a concept right now, but uh, I think if we ultimately uh, 
uh, it will ultimately be here and we ultimately uh, need to think about um, a world where uh, we're not necessarily looking at uh, uh, laptops, but we're, we're looking at uh, more of a augmented viewing through, uh, through glasses that uh, don't look like they're, uh, uh, you know, uh, eight feet tall on your uh, face. So uh, that's an interesting world for me. Yeah, I think he's a, hopefully we'll get him on the podcast here on the book launch. We're excited about that as well. And I think we could, we could spend an hour just talking about, you know, Facebook's business model around uh, this $10 billion a year investment. So, oh man. Yeah. A lot of money that's being spent uh, right now uh, uh, in what still is largely a concept. So it's a really interesting, uh, interesting space to watch both in the public and private markets. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I appreciate your time. I know our audience is going to really enjoy this conversation. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Michael. And uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate your site uh, and your weekly as well. I can't tell you how much, uh, how enjoyable it is uh, to, to read every week. And it's uh, especially when we're all engrossed in all kinds of things to read. It's the easiest read and the most informative read that I have every week. So thank you for keeping it simple. Um, and direct. It's uh, it's a good one. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about Cross Screen Media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.